welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. everybody welcome to punch it this is episode 110 my name is charlene schmidt and with me as always is tristan riddell tristan it is so good to see your face and to be <laughs> back i'm glad you are alive and you're not completely not ill you're still trying to kick the darn thing right but you're here i am still ill this is insane this oh. is probably the longest that i've ever been sick with a cold and I don't, I can't remember the last time that you and I took two consecutive weeks off. It was a long time ago, but we have done it once before, either because schedules didn't mesh, illness, I don't really remember. It's very rare for us to do this, though. And so our apologies to our listening audience if you, in fact, did miss us, but it just, it was not meant to be. We tried last week and it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. I've been hacking and gacking and, and coughing and everything like that. And so I was just like, I don't think the listeners really want to hear me do that in the mic. And actually, longtime listeners probably will notice my voice sounds a little different right now. It's not, I'm not 100%. You guys can probably hear it in my nose. Uh, <laughs> a little but, bit. You're a little deeper. You're a little more nasal. And there's like yeah. a hint of graininess in your voice. But <laughs> you're, you're close. I'm close. I'm all, I should be next episode. Next time you guys hear me, I should be back at 100%. At least let's hope. I mean, oh, I even gosh, took I 2 so. weeks off with my other show Nerd and Uptual. We just released our latest episode on Monday and it was about Star Trek Discovery season 2. It was an overview. Yeah. I've not listened to that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And that segues right into the first thing we've got to talk about today, which is the fact that we have now completed another season of Star Trek Discovery. And I want to know, overall, how did you think it went? Did you like it? The season or the episode ender? Well, maybe we ought to discuss both because this finale, they said it's going to be bananas. It's going to be explosive. Did it live up to that hype? Yes. Yes, it was bananas. It was explosive. And I think it was a good season finale. I think it was a really good season finale. I was thoroughly entertained. There was a lot of things that happened where I kind of was just like, eh, or I rolled my eyes, or I got really nitpicky as a fan, uh, as a Star Trek fan. Which we all do, yeah. Which we all do. Um, but overall, overall, I thought it was a very, very cool, entertaining episode. How about you? Oh, I definitely feel like they went out, you know, they pulled out all the stops, threw in the kitchen sink and said, we're going to freaking do this. <laughs> and so on first viewing, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was intense. I don't know about you, but I was exhausted after watching that last hour. I'm just like, okay, this feels like they put in a lot of hard work. Just exactly how many hours of overtime, especially the special effects people, did they put in to make this happen? Because holy wow, there was some really cool stuff. And in terms of the story, first time around, I just sat back and I enjoyed it and I thought they did a really nice job. Upon further viewings, of course, I'm picking it apart and I have questions. I think everybody does. But overall, yeah, this is a lot more satisfying, I felt, than, say, the end of the first season, which I felt was way too rushed. This was much better in terms of pacing, even though it is still incredibly action-packed. And yes, they did try to wrap up a bunch of things in one big pretty bow and say, okay, it's done, here we go. 
I need to watch, I need to rewatch the season one ender because I remember being entertained and liking it. But I, I, I should I should do that so I can compare it to season two's finale. Because um with what you were saying though, about how you felt like it was work and you were anxious and like it was exhausting watching that episode. Yeah. I felt that too in a good way, but also in a bad way where it got to the point where um when and of course like spoiler alert if you're listening to the show i'm sure you have actually seen the episode um, i hope you have there's no way to talk about it without spoiling anything but when michael was in the time suit and talking with spock and they were trying to figure out how how to go forward in time like there was so much back and forth and so many emotional moments and there was so much action going on at the same time it got to the point where my wife and i were just like just go just get the job done I have to agree with you there because one of my big criticisms of the season as a whole is is its intensity level. The fact that they're trying to move the plot points and the story so freaking fast that there's no time to pause and process. And I miss kind of talky Star Trek. They check in on a very rare occasion here and there on Discovery, but it's mostly we need to keep things moving. We need it to be action-packed. And I'm thinking no, slow down, let's breathe a little bit. But then they did take this moment in this episode to breathe between Burnham and Spock because we knew these were going to be kind of like these final moments, right? If mm-hmm. if they succeeded in their mission. And I'm like, but guys, guys, you see what's happening around you. People are dying. You need to get going now. People are dying. I, I literally <laughs> yelled that out loud while I, I was too. watching the episode. I said, people are dying. Like, the now is not the time, okay? Like, we don't have the time, if I can Let's pull Let's have a the phrase. slowest high five in history. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I get it, and I wanted to enjoy it, but no, with time being really of the essence here, what do you got? No, you guys, no. I felt like they got that wrong. I wish we would have had those moments in a different way. Yeah, it was almost like, are you a Lord of the Rings fan? Um, not really. I, I've seen the first movie twice. The first time way back when in the theater and sitting on for three hours in a really uncomfortable theater seat just really made my rear end hurt so bad that I swore (laughs) off the other two films. I have since gone and rewatched that one, but I still need to watch the other two. So I can't say I'm a fan. Wow, that was a very long and complicated answer for a no, but yes. But it's that was a... that, that's how traumatic that experience was. I mean, my tailbone hurt for days after that. Oh, I can totally understand and appreciate that. But there is a, there's a battle in the second one, which is actually my favorite one. It's called okay. the Battle of Helm's Deep. And it's a battle that goes on forever. Like it's a huge chunk of the movie, huge chunk of the movie. And you have crazy action scenes and then quiet moments. Crazy action scenes and then quiet moments. And... There is, there's a rhythm to it that's very well crafted and very well done. And I feel like Discovery attempted something akin to that rhythm, but didn't quite achieve it. And um, some people might disagree with me here, but it feels like that's what they were trying to go for. And with this battle, I think they did an okay job of balancing it because we got a space battle that lasted almost the entire hour, which is insane. For a space battle. Especially on a TV budget. Especially on a TV budget. But like for a space battle to last la- that long is pretty insane. But like when you're in an old time war battle or even a modern war battle, there are natural ebb and flows of a lot of action and then pausing, regrouping. In a space battle like that, there's really not. Like it's no. pretty much just like it's a lot of craziness 
and it's all 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 the way in, no stopping. Now I'm sure that there's exceptions to the rule, but that's always my kind of take on it. And so it was hard for them to interject it, but I I think they did an okay job. But overall, how did you feel in the last episode about the, you know, we're talking about the craziness? What did you think about the pro like the um the pods, the shuttles acting like fighters? And just the sheer numbers of everything going on. Yeah, it's like they rewatched Star Trek Beyond and saw the swarm. And then the Discovery showrunner said, hold my beer. And yeah. then <laughs> and then we got this incredibly intense, just pieces everywhere in this space battle. I felt like it was maybe a little too intense because it was so hard to follow what was going on where. I mean, it's just it's dust everywhere on my screen. I can't completely see what's happening. You couldn't even see Michael in her spacesuit when you were literally right behind her with the camera. Right, right. That I guess that's what they were going for. But at the same time, it was a little jarring as a viewer trying to figure like which speck of dust I'm supposed to be looking at. <laughs> I love the Kelvin verse. I love the Kelvin movies. I, I should say I love two thirds of the Kelvin movies. And I love the, fi- the, the feeling, the vibe, the style and everything like that. And so I want people to know that before... I say what I, I'm about to say, there was a lot about this episode and the battle that felt very Star Wars. Ah, uh, like the little R2-D2 things? Oh my gosh, the astro... That scene where the astro... Let's, let's just call them what they are. The astromech droids came out and started fixing the hole. It was a scene ripped from the Phantom Menace. It was the exact <laughs> same scene from the Phantom Menace and it did nothing to propel the story forward. It screwed with canon and did nothing well, for the story. You could counter that. You could say that now, like, th- there was, I think, what was it, in Star Trek 2009, there is, like, an R2-D2 floating around somewhere <laughs> in a space battle that fans have caught. And so, in a way, that canonizes that little thing. There you go. So, the Kelvinverse fans probably enjoyed that, but it that did feel to me like, oh, okay, little robot, okay, that's cute, I guess. I feel like there could have been a lot of just little tweaks that you could tone things down while still maintaining the epicness of it and have it a much more quote-unquote realistic Star Trek battle where you'd have fewer Section 31 ships and fewer shuttles, no probes, no pods or anything like that. And like, don't treat the shuttles as fighters, you know, treat them as, you know, what they are. They're shuttles, like have them as adapted shuttles, not X-wing fighters. And you could have your ship-to-ship battles just like we've seen before. Like, look at Deep Space Nine. Right, I was thinking that too. You know, like you can have ship-to-ship battles and it was very believable within the Star Trek universe. And with this one, it just felt so crazy, so over the top that it was more befitting in Star Wars than Star Trek. But, I mean, regardless, it was entertaining and I'm just nitpicking now. Yeah, 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 we... That's just kind of what we do as fans. You start off, you're like, yeah, I loved it, but <laughs> then we get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, but then, okay, overall, season two. Overall, season two. Yeah, some final thoughts. I mean, I want to go back now and just watch the whole thing all over again. I think the Red Angel story overall was done really well. Lots of moving parts. I understand that that's quite a feat to actually execute. And so... I'm pretty happy with how that all did resolve. It mostly made sense. I need to go back and really process all of the details, though. But I enjoyed it. And I feel like this season had overall better pacing, a little much more cohesiveness than season one did. And this cast, 
I mean, they've always been fantastic, but I think Jonathan Frake said in an interview recently, he's like, this show has grown the beard. I totally get mm-hmm. that. And I do, to some extent, agree with that. I think the cast has gelled. And then I'm hoping going forward in season three that this is now Disco's time to shine on its own. Season two, Pike, of course, and the Enterprise was a fantastic gem throughout the whole season. I mean, the fan response has been just you know, over the top and rightfully so because Anson Mount is fantastic. They did do a beautiful job with the Pike stuff. Spock, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about that still, but Pike and Anson Mount, I am all for it. Number one, I totally am on board if they do decide to do a a Pike and number one enterprise show, however that solidifies because there's that fan petition and they're actually, Mm -hmm. Anson Mount even said, hey, I'm open to the idea. Let's talk be totally cool with let's say like a little five-part miniseries because i mean we can't let that beautiful bridge just sit in a warehouse and go to waste oh no we can't <laughs> that's true that is a beautiful bridge and they did a beautiful job and i, I loved giorgio's orange Ugh, snarky commentary because i mean that's just a cute little thing for those of us who have been fans forever of course like orange of all colors you're really doing that yeah they did they did such a good job of melding the original with a discovery era bridge totally i mean they nailed it they really did yeah so you said on twitter just what was it yesterday like i don't want a pike series i want a pike movie i'm with you there i would love to see this crew in an action flick but you know what the whole technicality of cbs versus paramount Mm -hmm. we're never gonna get it so i'm back to a series Uh, when i um when I said that, I had no idea that it was going to be retweeted and favored so much because I think it's like in the <laughs> 200s on how many times it's been favorited. Dang. But when I said that, I didn't mean theatrical release. Oh. I meant, and I, I just haven't been correcting anybody. I've I just been kind of like chiming in a few times here and there uh, because a few people have talked about that, about like the CBS and Paramount BS that goes on. I didn't mean a theatrical release. I just meant like a two hour, two and a half hour TV movie that would be released on CBS All Access. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Totally cool. Let's let's do that. And then a lot of people are just like, well, why would you do that when you could just do a miniseries? And I think my only response to that is is that one thing that if they did a miniseries or a limited event series, what I would enjoy is a season in the structure of Sherlock where you have three 90-minute episodes. Hmm. Sure. Something like that would work. But it, I think it does need to be a short-lived kind of thing. I don't think Anson Mount wants yeah. to sign on for multiple seasons of a show. No. He's a busy guy. He's got a lot of projects, I'm sure, on his plate that he would like to do and is going to do. But at the same time, I love the fact that he's even willing to entertain the idea. It would probably be stupid of CBS to not at least explore it. Do something. Yeah, because this really hit a note with the fans. And whether people like Discovery or not, I'm seeing people across both sides saying Captain Pike is where it's at. So come on, capitalize on that. Get those people who hate the fact that they have to subscribe to CBS All Access and make them do it to see more Captain Pike. All right. Well, should we uh, should we move on to our episode? Should we do the the actual show? Because I'm having a lot of fun (laughs) with this. But yeah, let's do that. We promised a good couple of weeks ago, before you got sick, that we were going to rewrite an episode. We have not done this in a long time, and so we are far past due. And you and I picked the TNG episode, Menage a Troy. Yes, it is uh, Season 3, Episode 24, and uh, IMD... I don't know. 
IMDb, excuse me, got a little, got a little cough there, needed some little water. Eh. IMDb describes it thusly, when Deanna's mother spurns advances made by a Ferengi daemon, he takes it upon himself to kidnap the two of them, along with Commander Riker, and steal them away aboard his ship. I'm dying to know. We have not talked about this episode prior to recording. What do you think about this episode? Do you like it? I thought I did. Um. <laughs> I just about did a spit take. I was sipping on some water, and that was not the answer I expected. I honestly thought I did. Like when we were, when we have discussed episodes in the past, like uh, you know, like via text chat and everything like that. I um, we we usually try to shy away from doing episodes that are horrible and great. We try to do middle of the road episodes, and I remember, obviously, I've seen Manage Troy multiple times countless times because of all the rewatches that i've done of tng and i remember thinking like oh yeah that was a cute one like that was a fun one it has <laughs> as Riker and and deanna you know like rekindling a few things it has Luoxana, who's fantastic and it has picard quoting shakespeare in a really campy fun way it's 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 a fun cool episode where where the whole world is not going to be destroyed and when I watched it just yesterday, I watched it yesterday, I was so bored. And I was like, <laughs> this this episode, maybe I've been ruined by Discovery trying to pa- pack in 90 minutes worth of material in 42. Um, <laughs> maybe. But this uh, this story is about 20 minutes worth of content stretched to 45. Mm. And Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. It just, I think that's the main thing. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's repetitive. It's boring. It has a lot of fun and cute moments, but they're too spread out. What did you think? Yeah, this is not my favorite. And I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago before you got sick, thinking we were going to record it then. And it's not good. No. (laughs) I mean, there are things to enjoy here, but the overall story is just... It's it's just kind of it's kind of pointless, meaningless. I feel like they <sighs> miss the good beats, and then they try to overinflate the one the things that aren't as great. If that makes any sense. So, and th- this episode has two things working against it in terms of an audience uh, favorability rating. We have the Ferengi, which in the TNG mm-hmm. era, I'm sorry, just are not that great. Also, side note, we have Neelix the Ferengi because Ethan Phillips plays one of the Ferengi in this episode, and I could not escape that. <laughs> and then we have Loxana Troy. Some people do not like Loxana Troy at all. I kind of enjoy her just because of the way she likes to pick on John Luke. And that is executed well in this episode because she kind of puts him in a corner where he has to fight for her love. It's fantastic. And also... The overbearingness of Loxana. The Ferengi, these idiots, totally deserved that. So they got what was coming to them, and I did appreciate that. But this, the rest of this thing where, uh, like, Troy and Riker, we know that's not really going to go anywhere. Okay, it's cute in the moment, but all right. And then there's this Wesley storyline. He's about to just really unceremoniously beam yeah. off the ship to be gone to the Academy forever, right? But no. And instead, he gets a promotion. I feel like that's where they skipped a good note because there was some stuff to explore there with Wesley not really wanting to leave, his feelings of just, oh, I don't really want to say goodbye. Am I ready for this? But then, nope, he's got to wait a full year. Okay. Yeah, it it reeked of we don't want this character to leave full time yet. 
Yeah, so we're going to tease you with the idea that maybe he will, and then no. But really, he misses that one chance to get on the ship and then has to wait a full year for his oral exam before he gets into the academy? Are you kidding me? With a fantastic excuse as well. Like, um, there was a, yeah. There was a two captured Starfleet officers and ambassadors whose lives were saved because Wesley decided to skip his oral exam. I just, that made zero sense to me. And I really kind of wanted them to explore his pre-academy anxiety a little more. Let's talk about that. I feel like in our rewrite, maybe we have a little more of that because they, they touch on it. They bring up that this is a thing and then they don't explore it. Yeah, I kind of feel the, I kind of feel the same way as you do for the most part. Like, even though I thought the Wesley thing, I usually roll my eyes pretty hard whenever Wesley's involved, but Mm -hmm. it's, I thought it was a good storyline and it makes me frustrated whenever they do stuff like this because I feel like back then they could have made some sort of excuse or some sort of pilot program where because of your unique situation, because you're so super smart Uh and because you're on the flagship, we're going to try something where this has never been done before, but you're going to be taking your academy classes in the field. Yes. Okay. We're on the same page. That's exactly what I was thinking is like he could maybe do some, you know, like distance learning and on the job training to count for some academy credits, basically, while he gets promoted to a full ensign. We could keep that. And then then he doesn't have to leave and then maybe that can kind of just prepare him a little bit more to when he does need to go to San Francisco. That yeah. makes so much sense. Also, the way that he saves the ship, and a lot of times I, I hate it when Wesley saves the ship, he does a really good job here. Let's give him credit. Yes, he does. He does a good job and it's in a believable way. Yeah. And it's in a because he remembers kind of way, not because I'm so freaking smart. Well, I mean, it is because he's smart, but it's because, oh, I was there for this. I witnessed and actually made a note of the music. And that's why I understand what's going on. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think like if we're just going to like jumping into the rewrite just now, like that is definitely something that I would rewrite is that I would change this episode to be instead of like making him a full field promoted ensign that actually doesn't mean anything later on because he doesn't have any academy training, it would be, I have been, a, I've convinced the headmaster of Starfleet Academy, whoever that is, I don't know what <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. I've convinced Dumbledore to um, allow you to take your classes here. Our staff will be your professors and, you know, like something like that. Like, is it cheesy? Yes. Is it corny? Yes. But it would solve the Wesley problem of shipping them off when they don't want to ship them off. Totally. And also, I'm sorry, but the crew has kind of been doing this anyway. So it's not really that different, but this kind of justifies him continuing to be on the show for at least another year. Yeah, do something like that or make have him do it part-time where, you know, like he for like a quarter or a semester, he's on Earth and then he does field stuff on the Enterprise, something like that. So that way we can keep episodes like First Duty. Right, yeah, yeah. We don't want to change anything like that because a lot of that stuff is really good because he's learning some hard lessons. So you kind of liked the Wesley story, it sounds like. I did. I did. Like, I, I I don't normally, but I liked this one because it was very grounded. It was very, I, in my opinion, realistic for that character. But you could tell that they were having a, you know, a sitcom problem of mm-hmm. kids growing up. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of on the same boat with you where they kind of feel like they kind of needed to earn his worth 
to keep him on the show or something like that to that effect, which didn't completely work. But quick fix that we just did, I think, smooths that out. And it probably adds a few more minutes if Wesley's, say, talking to Commander Riker a little bit or maybe even talking with Guinan if they could have gotten Whoopi to mm-hmm. explore some of his anxiety issues and then maybe tone down a little bit of Loxana on the and the Ferengi ship and blah, blah, blah. Because that does feel a little stretched out. And, you know, I'm just a, a little grossed out by that whole thing. <laughs> because the Ferengi are gross. Where they say th- things like, oh, every female has her price. Wow, mm-hmm. what a line. Okay. Do you know what I found interesting about mm-hmm. that whole thing? What? Is not so much how the Ferengis acted, but how humans and the Beta Zeds reacted to the Ferengi because uh-huh that would never that would never fly today in 2019 no the way that they were talking about the Ferengi because you have the captain of the Federation flagship saying in his log sweeping declarations of his distrust and distaste of an entire race not yeah n- not the Ferengi government not certain militaristic viewpoints of the Ferengi not this particular daemon he says, Ferengi, the race. He's like, I don't like them. I don't want them on my ship. That's intense. And we kind of, you know, like brushed it off in the 80s and early 90s because it's science fiction. You know, it's a race that's not real. But if you, when you look back on it on 2019 Eyes, which I think some people do a little too hard and a little too much, it's something that you're just kind of like, ooh, that didn't age well. And <laughs> Well, you're right. You know, you are. You are absolutely right. And this is not a good Starfleet message. You don't have to like the Ferengi, but you know what I saw in this episode was them not giving the Ferengi any chance. Yeah. Yeah. So that is not, that's anti-Starfleet. You know, so- bite your tongue just a little bit. And they absolutely are not. They are all biased and that is not cool. Whether you like the Ferengi or not, they should have at least tried. I mean, if you're going to invite them, at least be courteous and cordial, but I, I didn't really get that sense. I mean, that was kind of like the big, like a speciesist attitude they were all having. Not not great, guys. Yeah, very much so. And I, I think like in a rewrite, I definitely changed that to something a little bit more palatable where you speak of the Ferengi delegation or you, the Ferengi military or the Ferengi government. You talk about those types of things. You make it specific where like, you know, like it's it's that way you can, like you could say like, oh, like I I, I don't want to give any real world examples because like it, it'll it'll sound weird if I give a real world example, but uh-huh. it just kind of takes the sting out of it a little bit, makes it a little bit more twenty fourth century and a little bit more understanding of of Picard who's in in that position. He Picard who is a diplomat, a trained diplomat, and the captain of the Federation flagship would be much more careful in his wording and especially speaking to people in public as well as in his logs about how he would phrase things regarding race relations, species (laughs) relations and things like that. You would think, and also these are TNG era Ferengi, give them that chance to prove themselves to, to step up and and be better than we think they are (laughs) because they don't have the best reputation already on TNG, but then let them damn themselves, let their actions speak for themselves. And then you can say, then you can confront them with their horrible attitudes and, and, and shitty behavior and say, that's not cool. 
you probably need to go. Yeah. And on top of that, like um, some people kind of draw parallels to this kind of thinking to Kirk in the Undiscovered Country when he's talking about the Klingons and saying, let them die. I don't think that's a very fair comparison because the entire point of that movie is his arc of understanding what he said was wrong and how he felt was wrong. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of, (laughs) forgive the phrasing, the bad blood between mm-hmm. Kirk, especially, and the Klingons. I mean, there was a Klingon who killed his son. Yeah, and last so time I Star checked. Trek six, they're yeah. really d- addressing that head on. I don't think that's a fair comparison because it's much more personal for Kirk. 100%. Yeah, last time I checked, Picard didn't have his son killed by Ferengis and didn't have to wage war on actually wait I, i'm gonna re, re, i'm gonna repeat i'm gonna repeal everything i was just about to say because the ferengi did put his potential son in danger and he lost his starship the stargazer because of the ferengis so he actually does have some personal examples oh, but it, i don't think yeah yeah so but... i don't think it excuses it but it does give it, it does give picard a little bit more depth with his interactions to the Ferengi than other captains, I think. Oh my God, I didn't even think at all about that. Now, what would have been nice maybe as a refresher for our audience to maybe incorporate a little bit of that to remind us why maybe there are some deep biased feelings, at least on Picard's part. But the thing is, is it's not just Picard. It's Mm -hmm. everybody. Right. It's not just Picard. Like, that's the thing is that like, it's not just Picard. It's the, it's the Beta Z delega- delegator. It's um, Laksana. It's other people making comments. And I remember in uh, Caretaker when Harry said to Quark, yeah, I remember at the Academy, we were warned about the Ferengi. Yeah. And Quark is just like, uh, excuse me? Like, yeah. you <laughs> slurs against my people? Like, this is kind of the first time that Star Trek was called on its crap with this specious behavior towards the Ferengi. And I thought it was done really well. And they kind of stopped doing it since then. Yeah. Well, and then DS9 really developed and evolved the Ferengi to be as we know them now. In this era, though, in the TNG era, though, they are just such a hot laser whip mess. But let's, I think we need to move on. <laughs> we let's, do, we do. So, we do. Um, one th- okay. I want to know, as far as the Loxana and the Ferengi story goes with the kidnapping, what parts of that did you like? Did you like any of it? I, yeah, I liked, um, I thought it was hilarious. This is going to sound weird, but I thought it was hilarious when they were beamed out of their clothes because <laughs> it's a very Ferengi thing to do. Especially and for females. I, especially for females. And uh, the main reason why I liked it is not for any weird malicious reasons, but because... I thought the the effect was done perfectly. Like mm. it was seamless. Like when you see the clothes fall and they're gone, yeah. I was looking for the transition point and I couldn't find it. And I was just like, bravo, guys. Bravo. Like very well done. That's the that's the main reason why I liked it. Um but I liked I liked Riker and Troy going on leave together. I liked them being stuck on the ship together. I liked Luxana talking with with Deanna, um, mentally and telepathically during uh-huh. the whole exchange. And I liked Loxana using her guile to get things done and try to pseudo seduce him. <laughs> I thought it was a little, it was a little, one thing that I'd like to remove is how little she could control herself when she's <laughs> like, when she goes like, how repugnant. 
And he's like, what was that? I meant how romantic. Like, yeah, it's funny, but it's so on the nose and obvious where you're just like, oh, yeah. okay, come on. You were an ambassador. I know you're crazy. I know you're over the top, but you were an ambassador. You're in a life-threatening situation and your daughter's in a life-threatening situation. I think you can control your tongue from saying repugnant in front of the guy who could kill you <laughs> and your daughter. Well, and meanwhile, as an ambassador, she has her approach of basically putting the proverbial bag over her head and giving Damon Tog a little uh, too much of what he wanted. I mean, the umox. I mean, mm -hmm. using all of her feminine wiles to make this happen, which is a very Loxana approach. And there, I do appreciate that. And then, of course, I love her kind of putting Picard into the corner of having to fight for her love. That's adorable. That's the best thing of the episode, Absolutely. Absolutely, yes, by far and away. And Patrick Stewart just totally nails his complete repulsion and at the same time delivering mm -hmm. <laughs> with that. It's great. It's, it's very Picard. It's exactly what it needed to be. The thing that I think really kind of turns me off at the very beginning of this episode is we know how Luxana is always on Deanna's butt about not having a family, not getting married, and no children. And this is so much about Loxana not respecting Deanna's wishes on how she wants to run her own life. And I, I, I get it. I know a lot of parents, you know, do this to their kids. Once they get married, it's like, oh, come on, I want grandbabies, that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. But she needs to lay the freak off. And so... What I'm always waiting for when they have this sort of confrontation is Luxana and Deanna having a conversation about just respecting Deanna's wishes and understanding that Deanna's happy where she's at right now. And, you know, Luxana, family is what made her happy. Children made her happy. But maybe that's not what Deanna wants. Not right now. Maybe not ever. And that is just as okay. Well, to be fair, they did have that conversation a couple of times. I think the problem is, is that they had the conversation too many times. They okay. had the same conversation about three times about Loxwana saying, you need to relax, you need to do something fun, you need to, you know, have a family. And she says, I'm proud of my work, I'm proud of being on the Enterprise. They had that conversation, I think, literally three times. And that's what was part of the, um, the redundancy that I didn't think worked. And part of me feels like they should have been captured later in the episode. If mm. I was rewriting this, what I would do is fo focus more on Wesley, like you were talking about. Focus more on the dynamic between Loxana and Troy, uh, and Loxana and Deanna. Uh -huh. And also throw Riker in the mix there where maybe Loxana, because she does this a little bit later in the series, she confronts Deanna about Riker saying, he's keeping you from being happy. He is keeping you from finding somebody else because as long as you guys are on the same ship together and not in a relationship, you always go back to each other. Because this is always something that I've like, that's my total headcanon, is that <laughs> whenever they're not in a relationship, they're totally getting busy with each other. Oh, sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my headcanon for Janeway and Chakotay as well. And <laughs> you and me both, buddy. And so I would want to explore that. I want to make, want to make that the guts of the episode where it's all about the relationship dynamic between the three of them, between Ooh. Luxana, Deanna, and Riker. So like that is your, for lack of a better term, menage a Troy, <laughs> is Riker's relationship with Luxana or lack thereof and Luxana's viewpoint of Riker and Riker and Deanna and Deanna and Luxana. And so 
with all of that, it just gets all really messy. And Riker's like a good time guy. Like he loves Deanna, but he knows it's never going to work out. At least that's what he thinks. Obviously, they get married. Certainly not um, at that moment anyway. And yeah. And so but he they're both comfortable with each other. They both love each other, but they know that it's not the right time. And so it's like putting on an old blanket that they yeah, love and feel comfortable with. And so I would love to explore the dangers of that from Luaxana's point of view. And then at the like you have the Ferengi stuff at the beginning. And then like towards the end, you have them captured by the Ferengi, where maybe the three of them have to hash it out in the jail cell. And Yeah, that's what I thought should have happened. Is if they're gonna go there, let's not just touch on it and bring it up a few times, like you mentioned earlier, but let's actually hash this out. What sort of an outcome would you want this conversation to have? What I want and what should happen are two different things. Okay, um, that's fair. What I would want to happen from a fanboy perspective is Deanna telling Luoxana, it's my life. I'm going to do what I want. If I want to spooch this bearded man, I'm going to do it. And if I'm going to get into a relationship with somebody else, I'm going to do that too. I'd want her to fight for her dependence, independence and Luoxana to respect that. But I feel like what probably would happen and would be best is a halfway point where Deanna establishes that independence, but also says, you're probably right. I keep, we keep running back to each other whenever it's convenient and it's inhibiting us from exploring real, natural and intense relationships with other people instead of just flings. Maybe we need to have some distance from each other. I feel like that's probably what would happen from a story standpoint. But what I want is the independence and Deanna saying, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Um, <laughs> and I actually have a completely different view. I thought maybe this would be the point where Loxana maybe can play a little bit of matchmaker and say, look, you two obviously love each other still in some way and try to bring them a little closer together. Maybe get Deanna to second guess herself just a little bit. Open her mind to the idea you've, hmm, maybe... With, I mean, no real resolution, but maybe, just maybe, if you wanted to rewrite a little bit of canon, bring Riker and Troy just a little close together. At least mm. acknowledge that, yeah, we, we do love each other. Maybe we should explore this. I like that. I like that. Like, rewrite canon just a little bit where, like, all sides are viewed. All sides are considered. Uh-huh. Deanna establishes her independence. Loaxana gets her point across. And <laughs> Riker's just the boy toy. And um, and he's fine with that. And he's fine with that, obviously. But at the same point, like maybe they do realize we do have something special. It is a possibility that we're going to get together. Maybe one day we'll stop screwing around. And, not literally, um, but like, <laughs> like <laughs> stop, um, like you know, stop being juveniles and and commit and commit. You know, like maybe that is something that we can consider, but not today. Yeah. So I mean, really, nothing totally changes, but. They acknowledge it. And I think regarding Janeway and Chakotay, that's what we really needed out of that relationship is we needed those two to sit down and say, look, I've got feelings for you. You've got feelings for me. In any other circumstance, we could have we could totally make this happen. But you know what? With the way things are right now, as long as I have this ship and this crew to get home, we can't do this officially. Yeah. Yes, it, it, we almost had that conversation almost. in resolutions. Yeah, I know. And then almost again in Hunters. I know there was they were kicking around ideas to try and have that scene in the ready room really hash some things out, and then they just totally chickened out. What did, what did she say? What what was it like in 
in that later episode what was the episode you just mentioned hunters hunters yeah she 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 said something like super super vulnerable and super sexy in her Kate Mulgrew way she's just like <laughs> what am I what am I supposed to do Chicote? <laughs> am I supposed to just admit how I feel you know like something oh, like that that yeah that that was cut from a promo yeah where they have that I think maybe they filmed a little bit of that I don't know how far they did there was a rumored kiss all sorts of I'm, I mean it could have been wild where she they actually did have an ending where maybe they were gonna have them go there but then ultimately they filmed what they did Mm-hmm. So what is it going to be, Chicote? Acknowledge my feelings. Uh, stay fast to protocol. What? In that yes, throaty yes, Mulgrew voice yeah. that I just totally slaughtered and tried anyway. But hey. Even I got a little worked up just now. But yeah, that totally happened. And you can find that somewhere on YouTube. It's a really grainy promo, but it's out there. It's out there. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah something like that. And um, and that's what I would do. Honestly, that's what I would do. Bulk up the Wesley stuff. Have a conversation with Guinan. Have him change it so that he could do his Academy stuff on the ship. You really wouldn't have to change that much of canon. You really Mm-mm. wouldn't. And no, just go deeper on the the better parts of this story, the issues. And then really keep the Ferengi stuff as bookends, like as an intro and an outro, where it's like yeah. kind of quickly resolved. Which is fine, and then we don't exhaust the Ferengi. Right, right. Because they can be a little much. Yeah. Yeah, and you end with the the great Picard ending, and then I, I think you get a better episode. I think so, too. I think that's what we could do. Cool. Well, I think that does it. Ta-da! Ta-da! All right. Yep, that's it. That's it, folks. Uh, That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We haven't done a rewrite in a long time, so it was really nice to flex those muscles. We were a little all over the place, but I think it's good because whenever you have scatterbrain, sometimes you can go out of order and come to a final place that makes a better episode or at least a more entertaining one or at least something different. Hey, and you know what? In real life, that is what a whiteboard is for, is to put all your scattered thoughts in order. 100%. And so... Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to listen to our back catalog by going to thenerdparty.com slash punch it if you want to write to us and uh, ask us to talk about a certain thing or if you have a show topic in mind, go to thenerdparty.com slash contact. So like punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us all over social media. You can find out all those places uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram by by going to thenerdparty.com and you can find us personally on Twitter. You can find me at the insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And if you've got other episodes you would like us to rewrite, tell us your candidates. We'll consider them. Absolutely. So until then, next week, uh, we're going to be doing something awesome, Star Trek related. And that's all you're getting because we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.